0: I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Fiona Morden to talk about social influence, mirroring, and role modeling. Fiona is a psychologist, author, and public speaker. She's worked with high performers across business, healthcare, sports, and politics for the last 18 years, helping them achieve optimal performance, Her first book, Defining You, was the category winner in the Business Book of the Year in the UK and silver winner at Axion Business Book Awards in the US. And her new book is Mirror Thinking, How Role Models Make Us Human. We're going to be speaking with Fiona today about the ways in which we all unconsciously influence each other. We're going to talk about the neuroscience of how parents influence teenagers, how siblings influence each other, how teachers and peers all influence our teenagers. And we're gonna see that the data shows there are some surprising trends in the way these types of influence take place. One of the big themes that we're gonna cover today is how much of this influence takes place on an unconscious level. And bringing those things into conscious awareness so that we can have a full conversation about what's going on and make sure that our teenagers are receiving the right messages. Really excited to talk about all of that and a whole lot more. Fiona, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We talk about role modeling on the show a good amount, Um, but now we're gonna actually get to to dive into some of the science and the neuroscience uh, behind role modeling, what's actually going on in the brain. And also something I'm really fascinated in is social norms and how we influence each other. So I'm pretty excited about this. What got you into these topics and specifically mirror neurons? And your book is called Mirror Thinking. Why is that something that you felt was a topic to write a book about?
1: Well, I've worked as a psychologist for 20 plus years and predominantly in organizational settings. Um, And I see how a leader influences so many people, uh, not Mm -hmm. just their team, but also their team's team. Um, And it can be up to thousands of people that they're impacting in terms of their own behavior, setting the tone of a culture, through to values, through to even micro sort of points of behavior and norms. And that is clearly happening through some sort of brain mechanism. And I was interested, what is that? What What's behind it? What, what is it that's creating these imitations in effect that we're not most of the time consciously aware of? Yeah. You know, with, with neuroscience, that we've got a huge sort of journey ahead of us uh, we're we're right at the beginning and so can't make too many sweeping claims but one of the areas that has been researched is the mirror neuron um, and what has been termed the mirror system in the brain which are the social systems um, that enable us to basically learn through watching and then doing.
0: You have a story in the book about moving when you were 13 years old, moving to a different part of the country and changing schools and how you then sort of changed yourself to adapt in the new uh, environment or to fit in with um, kids in the new setting.
1: It's embarrassing because I always forget I've written things about myself in the books and then they come up and I think, oh yes, I wrote that, I did write that. Um, I think I was hyper vigilant about social nuances because I had, my parents bit up when I was seven. So mm. I, I think when you're in a, a slightly disjointed family, you're often tuning in to, to all the social and emotional cues to work out how to behave as a child and so I think I was hyper vigilant already of those cues and I moved to a, a school where I, I'd been at a school where I'd been quite studious and it had been the thing to do was to be studious and, and I so I was I worked hard right. I was in the sports teams and I moved to this school where it really wasn't the thing to do to be studious and you really didn't fit in if you worked hard uh, or if you were good at sport. And so I changed the way I behaved. Mm. You can look at yourself and you can look at people you know um, with psychology, with any science, uh, well, not with any science, I think, but particularly with behavior and psychology. You're looking at how did I experience that? How are my kids experiencing that? But then you look at it through the lens of science as well and try and put it all together.
0: You also talk a little bit in the book about what happens when we. Don't have anybody to model, and how there are stories of children t- didn't didn't have uh, influences from other people. Like this one girl that I thought was really interesting, Oksana. Yeah, who was born in a small village in Ukraine and ended up sort of being. I guess raised raised by dogs yeah, it's a really sad um, story
1: because what's been pieced together since is that she was the child of alcoholic parents who had apparently left her outside one night when she was I think about two years old Um, she was cold she was yeah we imagine very scared Um, and she curled up with uh dogs that roamed the area for warmth and then for one reason or another she ended up Being brought up by those dogs so the things that we would expect she she wouldn't be able to read she wouldn't be able to write she wouldn't be able to do math but the things that we don't necessarily think about so much the things we take for granted are all the social skills and the emotional skills is being able to understand what someone else is thinking and predict someone else's behavior being able to read someone else's emotions being have to talk, all those things were, were lacking when she was found. I think she was nine when she was found. Um, and whilst she's grown up to be an adult who is functioning, she's not a normally functioning adult because it's such a, a pertinent age where we need those inputs and influences and that security and attachment in order to be able to develop effectively.
0: As parents, a lot of times, especially with teenagers, we feel like we, we don't have that much influence or that they don't listen to what we say. Um, they seem to be just want to do their own thing. But you do point to some research in the book suggesting that parents are one of the strongest influences on teenage behavior and what careers um, they become interested in and um, what sort of traits they develop. I thought that was encouraging to see.
1: It's another thing that I found fascinating when I was exploring research that while we look at teens and we think, well, they're more influenced by their peers or they're more influenced by um, influencers.
0: Yeah, yeah, people they follow on Instagram
1: yeah but when teenagers are asked in all sorts of different parts of the world not just in the states or in the uk teenagers will put their their parents as their primary role models Hmm. and what that means in particular through the teenage years is we very much imitate and take on our parents values so whilst might be influenced by wearing something different or talking a different way. If our friends do as a teenager, our core values will be most strongly influenced by our parents and will remain quite steady. And if you think about that, that continues throughout life. Um, we tend to maintain the values that our parents had yeah. unless we have significant life events that, that cause us to reassess those or, or change them.
0: Another aspect of that, is how exactly that influence takes place, and it appears from the research that it does really matter what you do and what you say is important, but really your behavior is also really critical.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's that saying, "Do as I say, not as I do." It doesn't work <laughs> right. really. <laughs> I mean, we've got a prime example with our Prime Minister in the UK at the moment. I don't know if you've heard of that, but he's he's off doing one thing and expecting everyone else to do the other. And when I'm working with leaders, I'll say exactly the same thing, but I will refer them often to their teenage kids or nephews or nieces, and I'll say, if you were to tell your children to put their phone away, but you sat on yours all through dinner, yeah. do you think they're not going to say anything? Right it's of course they are they're going to say well why should I put my phone away because you've got your phone out and that's conscious but a lot of these behaviors and nuances are passed on unconsciously and as a parent we can't be perfect um there's there's no way we can be perfect because we're human and so it's, it's not a case of saying we have to role model perfection but being conscious of when we're not role modeling perfection, that's the important thing and and mm-hmm. calling it out. So, for example, on Friday, I don't lose my temper with anyone really very often, but I just got pushed that little bit over the edge on Friday with my teenage daughter.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. And I started I, I said no to something that she wanted to do. Yeah. And then she got grumpy and I started banging around and she shouted at me and said stop banging things and I turned around and said you do not speak to me like that and um and you know we we fell out and I had to cool down from that but I knew that I had to go and apologize and say I'm sorry I shouted at you because Mm -hmm. it wasn't the appropriate behavior on my part what I was saying remained true but my behavior wasn't appropriate it wasn't correct it wasn't What I should have been doing. Now she probably hasn't really thought much about it. She's still annoyed with me. But making it explicit creates a different mental map for for the child, for the teenager, than if you don't make it explicit. If you Mm -hmm. just leave something like that, then that becomes part of their mental map of what's normal, what's expected from you. But then also they will, without intentionally meaning to, at some point mirror that behaviour themselves.
0: And it colors their mental model for what, how to interact with people and what's okay in dealing with other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's being explicit. And then there's the other aspect I call is Mm. counter mirroring. When I work with leaders, I do these in-depth psychological profiles. They're four hours and we go back to teenage years. And what I've found interesting is the counter mirroring is often more powerful than the mirroring because (laughs) because it's so conscious and this conscious aspect is amplifies things so if you see your parents doing something and you think oh my goodness i don't want to be like that there's no way i'm going to be like that
0: never want to end up like
1: that (laughs) so so there's two outcomes to that one you go completely opposite or two you end up doing it and hating yourself because you're oh i thought i'd never do this but i'm doing it yeah but but that choice to to deliberately move away from the way a parent behaves or the way a parent does something can be really strong. Yeah. And and can really stick and it it, it comes back to the original point there that's it's, it's about whether it's conscious or unconscious. When something's conscious or explicit it makes it far more powerful.
0: And so there's both ways that that could happen either that the parent um, makes it explicit and says hey I just want to talk about what just happened yesterday and has a conversation about it or that the teenager starts to make it explicit and realize, Hey, I never want to end up that way. Or I don't, that's not how I want to be in my life or the way that I relate to other people and decides to do, try to do the opposite.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: also have some interesting stuff in the book about siblings how siblings influence each other and you know I found some really interesting data in here (laughs) about how siblings influence each other into risky behaviors often smoking and drinking and things or even like when one sibling gets pregnant teenage pregnancies then that can affect the other sibling is more likely to repeat the same pattern when they reach that same age. Or even after a sibling leaves the home, they could still be having a, this same type of influence on the sibling who is still in the home.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, even in adults who've grown up in normal families, where women in their 30s will be getting pregnant at similar age as their sister, Um <laughs> Which is just really interesting. But I think the core point here is the impact that siblings have on us is often overlooked.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Siblings do have a massive influence because they're normalizing that behavior. But they're also the only people in the world who are experiencing the exact same pressure cooker of family life as we are the exact same mix of beliefs and values and experiences, which makes it very unique. It's also interesting how uncles and aunts and cousins, um, particularly in marginalized teens, can have quite a strong influence. And that can be both negative in terms of uh, normalizing violence or substance abuse, But it can also be very positive when children or teenagers see pro-social behavior. So behavior that's enabling others and helping others, which is really, I think, quite heartwarming when you you see it that way.
0: Uh, And uh, similarly, there's things on pro-social behavior among peers. You talk about some research in here showing that 12 to 16 year olds were more pro-social when doing so was approved of by their peers. And 12 to 15 year olds were more likely to volunteer or help people in their community if they believed other pupils in their school were doing the same. This use of mere thinking is known as imitative altruism.
1: Yeah, I love love that term. I think that's a great term. And And I I mean, I love this concept of pro-social behavior across society. Anyway, I think it's something that we tend to underestimate in humans. Yeah. And I think if people are given the vehicles to be able to be pro-social, it doesn't take much for them to do so. And it it has a massively positive impact on um, all sorts of aspects of mental health but also um, there's a un i don't know if you've seen the un happiness report i think it was the 2018 un happiness report they looked at the impacts of pro-social behavior on e- economies and pro-social mm-hmm. behavior has been shown to improve the economic outcomes of countries so it, it's it's not minor you know it's it's not just about the individual it literally has societal benefits from from a feel-good perspective a mental health perspective right through to an economic yeah so if we can encourage our teenagers and we can enable situations where they can be helpful and pro-social then we're helping set up society to be uh, a better place
0: Talk to me about this study I found really interesting with male skateboarders. um, And they were supposed to choose one easy trick and one difficult trick. And they did them 10 times, being filmed by a male researcher. Then they did them another 10 times with in front of an attractive 18 year old female and um they behaved a little bit differently that
1: yeah they did so they took far greater risks in front of the attractive (laughs) teenager she was unaware that she was being planted as an attractive teenager and they um attested to the fact that she was attractive by sort of comments that were collected by the experimenters but I just love this uh, experiment because it's not something that would probably surprise that if you imagine a group of boys doing skateboarding and there's this attractive girl or attractive girls walk past then they'll up the ante and they'll they'll um, you know look a little bit more impressive but it's actually because of because of levels of testosterone and and because of the, in that age group, there's that social brain is incredibly finely tuned to what's going on around them. And for boys, that will often result in taking and making riskier decisions.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I think um, <laughs> it's, not, it's not surprising, but it's really interesting just how these things can be tested in the lab. And um, I wonder what uh, is the equivalent of that for girls?
1: Yeah, it's interesting actually because I don't know what the equivalent is for girls. Yeah. I imagine it would be be oh, I don't I don't know actually. I don't even want to suppose what it would be but okay, <laughs> because, right. because we don't we don't know do we.
0: But they don't tend to take more risks um to impress boys, there's not data like suggesting that.
1: No, that's I mean that's not so much where you'll see those sorts of behaviours. I mean, in boys, for example, another another thing, another interesting um, experiment was when um, boys were playing driving games. Ah. Um, if they had a peer with them, so uh, someone their age, they will take more risks. They're more susceptible to risks because it's this desire to show off um, and to be socially accepted by being impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's not just um, when they're showing off to members of opposite sex, uh, but also when they're just trying to show off to their friends as well.
1: Yeah, and um, this this uh research shows that there are high levels of testosterone in in teenage boys than than we would say in an adult male or or, or a female. And another another impact of that that is that it. In effect, it blocks some aspects of the mirror system, so the mirror system isn't just responsible for imitative behaviour. It's also responsible. If you think back to Oksana Malaya, that example you gave before, of being able to read um, social and emotional cues, and be able to read the nuances and respond to those. And yeah. what happens is that because of that higher level of testosterone. Um, those sympathetic or empathic capabilities are slightly blocked in teenage boys which means they're more single focused and they're also more likely to miss the nuances of behavior that we would normally see people picking up on and again it's not surprising if you think about a teenage boy that makes sense
0: totally yeah
1: and then the 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 recommendation from researchers is you direct those behaviors into safe risks because they will take more risks so it's things like rock, rock climbing or martial arts um skiing if if obviously you have to be a relatively affluent family to be doing that but it's looking at other ways of directing that behavior that is more positive positive.
0: Right. So it's not about, hey, don't take risks, don't do risky things.
1: No. (laughs) But
0: about understanding that they're going to want to take risks and thinking about how you can channel that in um, a more productive way.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: We talked about how parents are often at the top of the list of influential role models for teenagers. Um, but then what's interesting is that you say, teachers seem to be not as high on the list, not as significant of role models. Um, and that in one 2016 study interviewing 220 teenagers of all the people these teenagers came into contact with, family members were nominated most frequently as role models. Followed by close friends, teachers fell within the last category, lost somewhere among other adults. Yeah. Ouch.
1: Yes. Big ouch. <laughs> big, big ouch. On the one hand, I was very surprised to see this. But on the other, I, from my uh, anecdotal evidence of having profiled, literally hundreds of people it doesn't surprise me yeah because it's actually very rare that someone mentions a teacher the thing I would say though is when a teacher does have an impact it can be enormous it can be life-changing
0: wow yeah
1: I don't think it's to say, oh, yeah, teachers, yeah, doesn't matter what you do, no one's (laughs) going to listen to you. (laughs) I I think it's more around, partly around the opportunity, because in the UK school system, for example, teenagers will move around between classes so they may only see the same teacher a few times a week they don't have a huge amount of exposure to them Um, and it's very difficult to build the connection and trust which we know connection and trust are two fundamental underpinnings of whether we do imitate someone or not um, whether we do let their behavior influence our behavior whether that's conscious or unconscious and so that plays a role in getting in the way for teachers and I think Kids are more interested in what their peers think a lot of the time than what their teachers think. So they're they're looking left and right. See, well, what what, do my mates find that funny? If they do, I'll carry on, um, even if the teacher's getting cross with me.
0: Hey, we're here today with Fiona Morden talking about the neuroscience of role modeling and social influence. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the
1: second half of the show. What are you going to do when you're standing in line? You're going to look at your notifications. You're going to look at someone doing a TikTok. So that precious brain activity is being taken away. And that doesn't just impact learning. It impacts mental well-being. And it also uh, impacts creativity. I don't think we can tell our kids to not be on those things because I think it's actually become interwoven into uh, social norms so they end up being slightly outcast if they're not part of those things they don't know what's going on they don't know what their friends are doing but I think we do need to be consciously aware of the fact that it's depriving them of very precious mental space that they need and thinking about ways that we can constructively bring that back into their lives A bit like when we're saying with the risky behaviours, let's redirect it. You get these piecemeal bits of information which they're being bombarded by. And that means that they don't have necessary clarity over which values to believe in, which beliefs, which people to emulate, because there are so many and and it's being delivered in such an unnatural way. Mm -hmm
0: want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.